0: with M.K. Chavez.
1: Chavez out here in the the Bay Area, California. I'm so happy to finally have you on the show. (laughs) I'm I'm
2: happy to finally be
1: on the show. I know. The last time we were supposed to do you, it was going to be live, and then I got strep throat. (laughs) I feel like the stars finally aligned. Finally. We have done one reading together, I believe, before, Mm -hmm. and then you run... Um a reading series called Lyrics and Dirges. Is that in Oakland? It's in Berkeley. Oh, it's in Berkeley. At Pegasus and Books. How long have you been running it and what's that that program about? Um, it's uh we're going into our tenth year this year.
2: Nice. So it's been a while. Wow. And um we um have pretty much kept the same format. Um we've had a little bit of change. Um well, the constants have been myself and Sharon Coleman. Okay. And um, we started it with Tomas Moniz, okay. who I think you know.
1: OK, maybe.
2: Um, uh, he's also a wonderful writer, a community person. And we started it because 10 years ago, the literary landscape mm-hmm. uh, looked really different in the Bay mm-hmm. Area. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the things that I remember about that time period are that we often had to go to San Francisco for readings. right? And readings were um, wider, mm-hmm. and they were um, mostly men. Mm-hmm. And we were really interested in creating some space for people who fall outside of those two categories, those limiting categories. Mm-hmm. We wanted to post people of color and queer people mm-hmm. and people who were reading in other languages mm-hmm. and uh, people who were writing about social issues mm-hmm. um, and and we
1: did it, and we're still doing it. So, and you do it every week or every month? Every month. Okay. Third Wednesday of every month, except for December. Okay. Take a little break. Nice. I think you and other people have been working on changing that landscape. And so, have you? Like, how 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 has that changed your perspective on the landscape of literature in the area? Like, by just running this program and highlighting different voices, how has it like affected you? Um, well, I mean, I I I guess that.
2: It's made me more comfortable with my own writing. It's helped me feel that by centering other people's writing, that
1: other people who don't fall into kind of the mainstream. Yeah, we could call it like the canon or the center of the page is mm -hmm. what I call it in my classrooms. Yeah, that by by, uh, uplifting those other writers,
2: I feel like I also... have a desire to put more of my work out there Mm -hmm. and I also have found, um, you know, incredible writers to build relationships with and I feel like when we're reading each other's work critically and Mm. supporting one another, Mm. it really goes a long way. It does. Yeah. And you know, I mean, writing, the writing life is is odd, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you to know. say the least, <laughs> yeah, it, you, it can be really isolating. Yeah, um, I think to uh, one of my favorite things about hosting the reading series is being able to host people. Um, sometimes we host people as just as they're getting ready to kind of really get into their writing. So mm-hmm. we'll host them at the beginning of you know, when they're really emerging. Yeah. And then they publish their first book, and then they yeah. publish their second book. And yes. It's, it's so exciting to see that trajectory. So I feel inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Um, it normalizes it, because I think that every once in a while, I feel like also I'm in a little bit of a bubble. Yeah. Every so often I'll be outside of the bubble, and <laughs> somebody will say, you know, oh, like, <clears throat> you know, what else do you do, or what do you do? And I, I usually lead with, I'm a writer. Right. And then people ask me what I write and I'll tell them Mm -hmm. and poetry is always going to be like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, you know, people fall into two camps. One, they don't know what to say. I guess it's three camps. They don't know what to say. Or they say, oh, I used to write poetry in high school. Um, Thank you. I'm like, I'm glad you're done with that. Um, Me, I just never left high school, I guess. <laughs> yeah young at heart is what yes. I think all poets are
1: yes um
2: and then of course, there's the people who are really excited and, and mm-hmm. you know when you meet your ilk, either um you know the unicorns, the people who love mm-hmm. to go to poetry readings, yeah, and literary events, but don't actually write but yeah. are in some other way connected to art or you know that this world that we live in mm-hmm. um or other writers, which mm-hmm. I feel like oftentimes um I guess I think about this a lot and don't talk about it a lot, but I feel like I, the, what I write is in conversation with other poets that are my contemporaries. Yes. You know, I'm responding to it. So, um, one, I guess Lyrics and Dirges creates um, a specific time and place. Like, no matter how busy I get, mm. I am once a month, I'm going to be in this room, and I'm going to be hearing... work of these other writers yeah and so that keeps me I think present in the community and I feel like it's very exciting to not just be writing your own work but to be part of a of something dynamic Mm. in the world that is um, hopeful that is positive especially right now I Mm. think I love that sometimes when we start the the series, people come and I can see that they're tired. And, mm. you know, some days there's been really bad news. I think more right. often in the last two years than ever. Um, there's just bad news and people seem tired. And then by the end of the reading, people
1: are smiling and a little lighter. And ready to go back out into the world to do battle yeah. in lots of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I almost cried when you we were talking about it, because it made me think of my students. In particular, I have a student um, at uh, CSU Monterey Bay, and uh, she's been helping me for a while. Just, she's really, you know, really talented, really great Chicana, you know, student, and and writes poetry and can jump into any job that you have for her and wants to do things. and And we put together an anthology, just a like a. You know, off the cuff, copy machine anthology of Latinx poetry, oh, nice. and she went through all of the all of my Chicano Latinx books, and she just was so excited that there was all of this poetry and all of these stories that she could relate to, where she has been going through her education for years without anyone to relate to, and it just um it's like heartbreaking to Mm. think that people can go their whole education and never read another Brown poet Mm -hmm. or only read four Brown poets. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. That kind of that special moment where you, you have an opportunity to read one person of color. Um, I mean, that certainly was my, my experience, um, in, um, in school, um, Mm. you know, at mills which is probably why I spent the majority of the time not with the creating de, creative writing department, but following a Juan Mance <clears throat> around who um, taught uh, African American lit. Mm. Um, and um, part of the reason I followed her around is because I could be inspired by her to read People of Color. I mean... The, Right. It was exclusively people of color. And that's what I needed because there had been this vacuum Mm. before that. And then going into higher education and kind of with the expectation that you'll be able to do read um, the people that you're interested in Mm -hmm. and then finding that you don't is really a disappointment. And I mean, that you know, it's not to say that. I mean, I you know really can geek out on Gertrude Stein. I mean, I, and <laughs> me I want too. to. I love you know.
1: Robinson Jeffers, admittedly. <laughs> you know,
2: and I'm, I'm like, I love it. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, please yeah. let's geek out on that. Let's read Ann Carson. I, yeah, you know, all of yeah, it. Yeah, Jane. Gould. Yeah,
1: all that. But yeah. but
2: I also you the know also. I want to read um, more
1: than one person of color because I yes. feel like that is from each era or whatever they they do in the Mm -hmm. anthologies Mm -hmm. yeah and there and there aren't enough people specializing in it in the universities like in in brown and black poetry so you don't get access to that information when you ask people they, they even even the experts in poetry don't know who to read they'll say you know yeah, the former poet laureate of the United States of America, Juan Felipe Herrera, and then they'll say Gary Soto, mm-hmm. and maybe if they're in, they'll say Carmen Jimenez Smith mm-hmm. and Nesto. Yeah, es todo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now here we are among each other. Yes,
2: with you know, when it the literary landscape really has
1: changed. Oh yeah, I feel
2: like it's really exciting. Um, you know, Canto Mundo. Um, mm-hmm. Locally, um, Josiah Luis no, i know—runs an excellent reading Steady series.
1: Speaking <laughs>
2: Yeah. So you know that's exciting, and um Voz Sin Tinta I is, you know, is it's great. So there's you know, there's opportunities now to be um, inspired by, to be exposed to the writing of um, people of color in a way that we that I didn't, 10 years ago, I didn't see at all. And that I really needed to be able to explore my own writing. Because mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes when you hear certain writing, it opens a door. And then you go through it and your writing really changes. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of
1: like something just clicks. Yeah, and, and there's also like an imprint of what you're reading and what you're listening to that comes out of your own work.
2: hmm Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, I would like you to read some poems for me if you can. <laughs> I, I, would I drove love all the to. way out here to read, to hear you read of <laughs> my own private reading. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so tell me about the, your, like, where, so you have a couple books published. I do. And when did you start publishing? What was your first book and then maybe read from that? Mother Morphosis was my first book. And, um, I mean, I should
2: say I had chapbooks before then. Right. So I had Virgin Eyes, um, which was public, published by Zeitgeist Press, and that was, I want to say, 2014. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I, I started both trying to publish and submitted to Zeitgeist Press to have Virgin Eyes um, published, and they picked it up. and then. Mother Morphosis and Dear Animal actually came out in the same year. Wow. And um, are both from Nomadic Press.
1: Yeah, Nomadic. Now, Nomadic Press is the reason I'm here today because yeah. they I, I made a connection with them and I have been so blown away by the quality of work that's coming out of Nomadic Press. And uh, your book, Mother Morphosis, um, one of my students uh, really clung to it and then I taught it to another class. Well, I put out all my books of poetry and I said, choose a book and we're gonna, you're going to come to class and we're going to talk about it. And one of my students chose Mother Morphosis and was really taken aback by what she called the sort of plain language of poetry that told a story about mother and family that could not have been told in any other way and that she couldn't imagine. She didn't, she didn't know. She said she didn't know that that's what poetry could do. Mm-hmm so (laughs) so that's a win right yeah (laughs) that's exciting so will you tell me about mother morphosis
2: yeah so mother morphosis i I mean i really um think i have um obviously like all of us have many people to thank for mother morphosis coming into the world but especially jk um fowler who's the um publisher the publisher and the founder right. and the publisher of uh, nomadic press and not just for publishing it but because the conversation that we had while taking a walk mm. is what got me thinking and I remember getting home we were talking about family and um, the complexities of family mm. and I got home and suddenly. Um, everything just made sense for putting this together and a bunch of poems came out of that Mm. so uh, there are definitely some poems that are older in Mm -hmm. this book Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of fresh writing that went into this little book Mm -hmm. um, which was a little shocking because it all happened really fast i had a a short turnaround to send in the manuscript Mm -hmm. and um, then it seemed like suddenly i was at the release party, Yay! and, and I, was, I remember standing in the doorway and thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to actually read these poems, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I have, I have spoken so little about my family, especially oh. about my mother, and I'm going from zero to, hey, public, guess what?
1: <laughs>
2: so, yeah, it was a little... And, you know, I remember having that
1: moment of like, oh, right, (laughs) I did that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) Right, got it. (laughs) So over time, have you become more comfortable reading from it and talking about it? Um, You know, the experience, of especially for
2: reading for Mother Morphosis, um, has been really profound. Um, In Mother Morphosis, I talk about... my mother, um, who uh, was schizophrenic, mm. and um, and I talk about a bunch of other, you know, just the concept of, of mother and motherland and, mm. you know, what it means and the intersections of, like, mental health and uh, migration, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, there's just so... There's the, all of those various themes, and but what really seems to... The response that I get, what people really connect with is... Um, the public discussion about the experience of living with someone who has a mental health issue that affects their lives significantly. Right. Um, you know, and I usually, when I read, somebody will come up to me. I'm trying to think if I've ever read from it and not had this happen. <laughs> but somebody will come up to me and say, Oh, my," you know, thank you for reading my father, my mother, my sister. My, my dear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, That was the surprise, I think, and the gift that was there that I wasn't expecting. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was certainly shocked that moment where I realized, oh, wow, I don't even, you know, like, I have one friend who knows my whole history, and so she knows a lot about my mom, but... Other than that, you know, even close friends, I just don't, it's not something that, you know, you don't talk about it over lunch, like, you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not, it's, you know, I think that we keep it quiet. the, the message, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the message is to not share, um, yes. uncomfortable, um, yeah, uncomfortable information that makes people not know what to say, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a really, that in itself is a gift, I think, to, to break that barrier, um, but then the second gift of um, connecting with other people um, who've had the same experience or a, an experience that's similar is amazing. And um, I think that I hadn't, even though intellectually I can understand that other people have had the same experience that I did growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't think that my my soul or my heart really felt that until this moment of writing this book and having, peop- having it be so public and having people being able to connect with me on that level. I mean, and I suspect I that every book that people write mm-hmm. had, connects with the world in a different way. So, Dear Animal feels very <laughs> different, you know, mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I, you know, um, connect with people, uh, with Dear Animal in a very different way mostly women. Mm. Every so often, men. <laughs> um, it's been kind of odd, but, mm-hmm. but mostly women and especially young women, which I, I love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I guess that I really appreciate that and it makes me excited about writing other books of, you know, who is the community out there who, who I am writing to.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel
2: like, you know, I know, I knew when I was writing that I was writing
1: to someone. Um, but I wasn't sure what that would look like mm-hmm. on the other end mm-hmm. Yeah, poetry does that and, and, and sending our poems out into the world we don't know how they'll be received, who will receive them how those people will receive them and what they do with that information or that, that imprint that we leave as they move forward um, I didn't know to be that careful when I was young, younger publishing when I published my first couple of poems and now they're floating around on the internet and I'm like, oh god, I published that <laughs> But you know, at some point you realize, like, at some point, as a poet, you realize that whatever you write, if you're going to write it in a book and it's going to get published or you're going to show up at a reading and you're going to say it, it's going to go out into the world and you can't control how it's going to go and how it comes back. And it sounds like you've had a really interesting and important relationship with that sending out of your work into the world. Mm Mm-hmm which is really nice um i mean i appreciated the book i loved reading it um also i loved the way you framed it in the beginning you have these dates that talk about different things that are sort of hitting on the multiple themes you're talking about mental health and then migration so on and then you move through uh the book in this way that goes back and forth which is really nice uh will you read some poems for me sure for everyone, although I feel like it's just for me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I think I am going to go ahead and just start with uh, Mother of the Forest. Okay. Jump right in. Mother is dear as wounded animal, Mother is wound. Mother glowing in memory, a gossamer of herself, a parody and a cliche. Nicest woman in the world, mother. Mother is platform shoes that glitter. Mother is pale pink negligee and go-go boots, but never at the same time. Mother is goodness. Mother is why can't you be more like your mother, mother? Mm -hmm. Mother on the day she asked if she could set us on fire. Mm. Mother of black eyeliner, mother of white skin, mother of porcelain, broken Mm. mother, mother of straight hair, mother of no resemblance, mother delicate, mother who offers delicacies, mother who doesn't ever look like a mother, mother of fragility, mother of damaged things, mother of beatings and cold shower fury, mother on the other side of the door when you are locked out, mother of concussions and vomiting, Love mother, mother of love loss, mother love. Mother of split mind, mother of fist, mother of coagulated rage, mother of cast iron pan, mother of defeat. My mo- mother who gives birth to darkness, mother of my skin, mother who needed a mother. What's up pussycat mother? Mother who loved the Beatles and Los Angeles Negros, mother song. Mother who sang to me at Stowe Lake and stroked my hair. Mother of the asylum. Wild mother stealing me to the woods. Mother she-bear. Mother who said, you will be safer among the animals. Mother silent film star. No voice, mother. Her father's daughter, mother. Never really mine to have, mother. Mother Doe.
1: Oh. Wow, you wanna keep going?
2: Sure. Brainstorm. Floating face down on the floor, institution of doors that lock, go clickety clap, everything bows to schizophrenia. rabbit for dinner a well-prepared rabbit stew can serve up to six i had become crepuscular after my mother and i moved into his house rabbits as prey animals are constantly aware of their surroundings grandfather sat at the head of the table and said grace asked forgiveness for my mother who had threatened to kill him with the cast iron pan earlier in the day and for me because he believed I had been touched by the devil Mm. when a rabbit is born it is blind later it will develop panoramic vision allowing it to see predators in all directions the only blind spot being in front of their noses the rabbit's pelt which was black and white and now dabbed with red Hung over the sink, Teal offered to teach me how to skin an animal clean. After that, we ate in silence. In the background, the television played reruns of *Mash*. I recognized voices. There was a commotion and there was a scare. Hulahan thought there might be a she might be pregnant by the horrible man that she loved.
1: Mm.
2: They killed the rabbit to find out the truth. My mother will sometimes breathe like a rabbit. Grandfather says there have to be sacrifices. I breathe like a rabbit. Soft rabbit, rabbit who I named a silly name, rabbit that fed all the men in the family that night. That winter, my mother and I were rabbits, watching, waiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you grow up in the city or in the country?
2: I grew up in San Francisco. You did? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You have a couple more? Yes.
2: cut from the same cloth. I am my mother's negligee, pale and antiquated, like the fluff of her slippers. When I remember my mother, she is soft, like she wasn't towards the end. I picture her at the the San Francisco Zoo in a mini dress and platforms, precarious. I held her hand in the lion's house and father wanted to stay to watch the feeding and she could not. I held her hand tightly because if I held it tight enough I thought I might become part of her and then neither of us would have to be so alone. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: When my mother lost her mind for the fifth time, it was early enough that we were still counting. Her father called her blasphemy, beast, and possessed. It was the time of being a girl, then an armadillo, then the meat torn apart by lions. As I was devoured, I asked politely, is this what becomes of the body? I have never stopped searching for the clothed animal from which I came. We were living in the end times. It was in vogue to name a woman who you've hurt, crazy,
1: her daughter. Mm. 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 <clears throat> <clears throat> wow. So you grew up in San Francisco. Did you raise your children there? No, I raised my children in Oakland. No, <laughs> you did. I did.
2: <laughs> I, you know, uh, was a single mom mm-hmm. and wanted to. Wow. Have um, I think uh, so strangely. <laughs> I wanted to recreate um, what I wish I had had. Like, so, you know, what I had, but good. And so, in I think my. That's head, what we all try to do? Well, you know, but it, 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 it's so funny because I, I think yeah. of myself as really kind of rebellious and I'm, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I was like, I lived in an anarchist commune. And yeah, I, you yeah. Know, traveled by myself. Oh yeah. I'm yeah, like, I'm not like that. I don't want to make cookies. And guess what? I ended <laughs> up making cookies for the neighborhood kids. I mean, I had my eccentricities. I don't was. get me wrong. Yeah, I'll do. I still make cookies. <laughs> you know, we, we definitely were the house um, where the kids came. Like, nice. all the way until high school. Um, you know, it went from cookies
1: mm. to, you know... <laughs>
2: <laughs> the morning after pill I mean, uh, yeah you know? no yeah That's well, how they went. need
1: us in our communities <laughs> I know I mean I don't want to say too much but I remember when someone I knew was came to me and they're like you know how do I get how do I get condoms and I'm like don't worry I, I'll go to the store right now <laughs> but they wouldn't have asked any other one in the family mm-hmm. for that yeah because we're Latinos we don't talk about that stuff yeah.
2: Yeah, I, you know, we were the house for condoms, there was a big bucket of condoms in the bathroom, <laughs> my boys were like, mom, I'm like, listen, I'm like, they're not just for you, they're for whoever comes into the bathroom, you know, so I, I did do some things more, I guess, wild, that wild, or or different, the, or rebellious, or, you know, I mean, there's definitely, conscious. I feel like conscious, conscious. Like, yeah,
1: aware of realities.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I was surprised that I, you know, when I had my boys, I wanted, my desire was to live in a house with a backyard, mm. to have, you know, neighbors with little kids yeah. and to be able to have that for them so they could be children as long as they could possibly be. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. So I mean, it's beautiful. So San Francisco was not really offering that at the time. Mm. I didn't think it was a little bit too expensive for a single mom. And so I came across the bridge and looked at an apartment. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, why didn't anyone tell me <laughs>
0: about Oakland?
2: <laughs> and the thing was that I, I think that at the time really, um, and not that it's changed. I mean, I think it's changed, but it's not necessarily improved. But mm. in San Francisco, it was really segregated, you know, so the Latino community stayed in the Latino area, mm-hmm. and then, you know, black community stayed in the black community, Asian community stayed in the Asian community, and I, th- you know, and that wasn't really how my life looked, mm. like how my friends looked, how my life looked. And so coming to Oakland was amazing because mm-hmm. it did look like that mm. here. It, you know, it was, there was just everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere, and it was
1: so beautiful to me that I just, couldn't wait to move. So we moved. That's good. I mean, you know, you do what you do um, to raise kids. And to become a mother is just a trip to me. <laughs> I'm it still, is. I mean, do you ever stop tripping out about it? I mean, no. okay, because my no. daughter's going to be three and I'm still like, that's right, I have a daughter. Yeah. Wait wait till, wait till she's 26. Oh I hope we get there. You
2: know, when. Oh, you will. <laughs> you will, I can tell. It is, um it is an amazing journey, um, to be a mom, I think. And um especially to be a mom who is not um I mean, I definitely don't fit into the traditional mom mode and I actually I think the only the real challenges that I had were never with my kids, but with the schools and mm. um Wanting to be a responsible parent and and yet not feeling connected to the parents of other kids at all. I like the kids, yeah. but I didn't feel connected to most of the parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't approve often of how mm-hmm. they spoke to their kids, mm-hmm. how they treated their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone ask me once if uh, they wanted to kind of partner in um, reading uh, our children's text messages and emails. Oh, and I gosh. said, I, I don't do that <laughs> and I was, I was just you know and they were like you don't and I said no I would never do that and we're like why not and I said well I would like to keep their trust because yes. if I don't have their trust I'm lost and yes. I'll know nothing you know yeah yeah and, absolutely and then then I won't be able to help them if they don't trust me
1: that's it yeah um so yeah No, I I hear that for sure. I I am lucky to be uh, in my role in our family. I'm more of, if you want to talk about traditional roles, I'm more of the father figure because I'm out and about all the time. My husband stays home with the baby and I always ask him, don't you want to join like mom groups or their dad groups or you want to go do because that's what people do now. They like play dates. I thought you just show up at someone's house with your kids. Is that a play date? And so my husband's like, nah, I don't, I don't need to go to any mom groups or anything like that. He just takes her to the park and to her little classes and stuff like that. And, um, but when I was trying to be a stay-at-home mom and I tried for six months, I, I couldn't do it. It wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I couldn't stay at home. I felt like a wild animal in a cage. <laughs> so my husband took over, um, which was really nice. And the roles work for us. And uh, it's nice It's nice to raise a child when... It's nice to raise kids in a space that you feel comfortable in, both as an individual, as a woman. Mm-hmm. I don't identify as mom all the time. Only when, like, my daughter's around and I'm mom. But mm-hmm. everywhere else in the world, I don't identify as mom. Mm-hmm. And so it's always, like, one of those things that I'm trying to figure out in the mm-hmm. world. So it's... Anyway. Yeah, no, I
2: completely agree i had the same experience of um not feeling um at home with that identity because the traditional identity of mother is so all-consuming like you know you're just mother yeah and you know and that's not to say that people who want to take on that role and who love that role Mm. I'm gonna be like that's fantastic yeah if that's what you want but I am all of these other things yeah and that is that is my that is my role is be you know having these different compartments of my life and not having them um not having them identify through something else. Yes. You know, like I when I'm being a writer I want to be a writer and I don't want you to ask me how it is to be a uh, a writer who's a mother.
1: Mm. You mm. know, I mean
2: there are appropriate times for that. <laughs> did the
1: lights just go out? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All over town or just? I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> we'll have to finish
2: our Interview by candlelight. (laughs) Exciting.
1: Really exciting. Wow. (laughs) We broke the electricity. And then, have you done fellowships or residencies as well? I have. Tell me about those. Like, what you've done. Um, Mostly because I'm curious. I've never done any. uh,
2: So, most recently, um, I did Mm Hedgebrook, which was wonderful. And I think... um, think every woman writer should go to Hedgebrook. It's okay. a really amazing experience. They really take care of you. They, um, practice something called radical hospitality. Hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> that sounds it's, great. <laughs> it's, it's really funny because I had a little bit of a hard time with it at first. So you, you have a cottage, it's mm-hmm. all by yourself. Mm-hmm. You have your writing area, which is on the bottom floor, a little, a little, uh, stove mm-hmm. that, um, you can use for, um, you know, to have a fire and to heat your space, and then upstairs you have your bedroom, and um, all contained, beautiful. Wow! Um, I was in the cottage that was the furthest out, mm-hmm. more, the the one that was most into to the forest. So I <laughs> love that. The most isolated. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I loved it. Um, and where
1: is where is Hedgebrook?
2: It's in um, on Whitby Island, Washington. Washington, okay. yeah.
1: I'm like imagining Maine or New Hampshire, but it's West Coast. Yeah. Nice.
2: So, yeah, I drove there. Uh, so I I drove my car onto the ferry, which of course I loved, and then wow. drove, you know, which of course meant that I took way too many books with me, but
1: that's fine. <laughs>
2: I did a lot of reading. Um, and I was there for five weeks, and... Um, you can go for shorter times, longer times, but um it was pretty amazing to be there for that long and five weeks is a long time. so you're all all day, you're by yourself, and then you go to dinner with the other writers that are there, so there's mm-hmm. several other cottages, and you're served uh, your meal mm-hmm. and um, you sit together and eat, and mm-hmm. you, you're not allowed to do anything like you you know they come and they collect the plates from you. There's oh, wow. dessert every night, which is really. <laughs> I, I was kind of like, okay, now, <laughs> there's dessert every night.
1: This sounds like heaven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What's it was
2: really lovely, and um, so I would highly recommend Hedgebrook. I mean, it's a wonderful place. And um, in the morning, when I would uh, start writing, the deer would come by, which mm. I loved. So it's see that was like by television. Mm. We'd be like looking out and the deer would come by and they were kind of like, oh, she's writing. Whatever. <laughs> we're just going to go eat some berries. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. And then others? I've also done, um, a residency in Willett and that was really different and I was living with two other artists. Um, so, um. And I was there with a filmmaker and a textile artist, and uh, it was a beautiful house. We were Mm -hmm. there for two months. Wow. And uh, there's no hands-on. You just kind of are introduced to the house and told where everything is, and then you're kind of self-sufficient. Wow. And uh, you get a stipend, which is really lovely. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of what other residency I've... Been to I uh, you know I've done um, I've been to Cantamundo okay so is, that's the one I want to hear about uh, Cantamundo is amazing um, so Cantamundo is all Latinx writers um, poets actually mm-hmm. and um, it's really I think the part that's the coolest part is that it's multi year so once you get in you go. Um, you have you can go for three years, and you can do it over, uh, I think, four or five year period. Mm. And um, so you get to build some community. Nice. And um, yeah, you go for a week, and uh, it's dorms, dorm style. So there's a little mm. uh, adjustment mm. for me. I was kind of like mm, dorm mm. style, but it's fine. Um, I met some really amazing poets there. Mm. Um, was with some other poets that i really who i already knew and really whose work i really appreciated mm. um, but it's wonderful to be in the space with other latinx i don't know that i've ever had that experience mm. um similarly uh vona mm-hmm. i know vona Vona is, was great too different but mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. um very different setup and i actually did not stay at the vona site because it was it was happening locally the year mm. that i went so I just went back and forth from home, which I have to say, you know, I wouldn't recommend when you're, I feel like you need to be with everyone. With everyone and be yeah, inside to of really
1: it. kind of get the... It's like into... driving, commuting to college or something. <laughs> <Like> you, <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get the experience. I remember that. Um, yeah, I, I just, I ask because, you know, I as, as a woman of color writer, a Latina writer, like, oftentimes you don't one of the other things that's problematic about the landscape of poetry being very much center of the page and all the information being very um, uh, certain demographics is that you often don't get information about what else is out there for you as a poet or as a writer Mm -hmm. and um, I always knew there were fellowships and I always knew there were residencies but I I didn't think they were for me Mm -hmm. you know for all those years and then suddenly as I've been doing the radio show, I've been interviewing a lot of poets who have been doing a lot of these residencies, and I realized, oh, there are ones for us as well. And so that's what I'm thinking about. And what does the residency do for you as a writer? Like, how does it help you?
2: Um, For me, it's getting out of my um, routine, Mm. which, um, you know, I feel like it's always a struggle to um, protect the time that you need and I think part of it is, isn't like, I, I don't, I mean, I feel like i kind of have it down now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really protect writing time. Mm-hmm. But um, I think life really um, encroaches.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. it, it gets in your head, and you can't, um, you just need some space. And so I feel like going to a residency, you're just, you're removed from your, the daily distractions. Mm-hmm. And you have a moment to contemplate and think things through like i think i think it's helpful to go to a writing residency and just sit there Mm. and just read Mm. um i mean i feel like i've done both where i just sat there and really thought about things that i don't you know in our normal everyday lives Mm -hmm. I, i don't you know like i'll see some situation on the street and i don't at least in my life don't have that kind of time where i can be like oh wow that was really intense to see you know mm-hmm. and let me mm-hmm. sit and just think about that for a few mm-hmm. hours mm-hmm. that's you know i'm usually running from place to place so the gift of having being of being removed from that is huge
1: yeah that sounds great that sounds great yeah, I do little things like that as a writer. Like I mentioned to you when I first came in that I go to the river or I hike or I like if I have a long day, then I'll just make sure that I can take the coastal route and stop by a beach and just sit and think because it's so hard to, you know, I mean, I I hate to sound cliché, but it's so hard to be a poet in the world. I feel like if you if you're anything like me, things come into my person i experience things and they really they really sort of sit in me and if i don't process them then i feel like i become disconnected from myself and Mm -hmm. disconnected from the world and so it's sort of a necessary thing for a poet to just sort of sit and think about things yeah as luxurious as it sounds (laughs) yeah i mean yeah I, i think it is a gift to be able to do that
2: um, and I think it's good for us to be able to find, I mean, I feel like there are moments. Um, I have always, um, well, not always, but since I got a car, because mm-hmm. I didn't always drive because you don't really need a car in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But since <clears> I got a car, I have tended to be somebody who drives a lot, um, you know, have, having jobs in like weird places and mm-hmm. things like that, that where you can't get public transportation. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've really used that time Mm. to reflect, you know, and I think about how I used to drive from um, Richmond, over the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge to Moran, and that stretch of, that drive is quite beautiful. Yes, it is. And then, you know, you're driving across and it's beautiful, and then you see San Quentin. Yes. And I just, you know, would drive every, you know, five days a week and keep seeing this, and I just, you know, and and it became like a meditation, and I have a poem that came out of that, and I just, do you have that poem somewhere? I do have that poem, um, I do have that poem, and it's, I can read it to you, but it, (laughs) you know, and it, it became, it's funny, because that, that poem, was born out of so much thought, and it's the, one of my tiniest. <laughs> yes, poems.
1: tell me your tiny poem from so much thought. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it was it was also a really deep. Um,
1: like I feel like it
2: fed all sorts of other. It had, you know, it had the ripple effect yes. where it affected so many of my poems. Just that sitting and just looking at San Quentin and, and holding those two things that San Quentin and one of the most beautiful locations that, I mean, I've traveled some and I feel like that is, like we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I just could not, for the life of me, figure out what was the thinking when they built San Quentin? Were they like...
1: This is, we're going to put it here.
2: Here, because it's really beautiful and... Yeah. You and know, these it. folks, they're locked up, but at least there's some beauty out the window. Or yeah. were they like, ha, they can look out the window. What and, it, feel... and you, know, you know, like just all yeah. of that. Like I just went over and over and over that every time I drove. So I do feel like you can find uh, moments in your routine for contemplation, which, you know, I guess I think of contemplation as a little different than thinking because mm-hmm. I think contemplating is really like holding and weighing and sizing up and really being like questioning yes. the thing, you know. Yes. For for me it, with that dr- particular drive for many weeks it was questioning what was what went
1: into the creation of this
2: prison and
1: how it, and how it, and how it sort of affects everybody who drives by it and anyone who's inside of it and oh my goodness back and i
2: thought (laughs) i would start with the san quentin
1: yes poem it's very short that's okay i'm ready for it
2: uh the title is san quentin sanry building a prison in a beautiful place act of kindness cruelty hey man (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 it yeah wow that's it it's sometimes I feel like sometimes writing poetry is about um, gathering the words and other times it's about distilling the words yes and I have um, I really have only begun writing longer have become have begun writing longer form very recently Mm. mm-hmm for a very long time. I was really more about that. Trying small, to yeah, be really super
1: concise. Who, who, who taught you that? Was it like Emily Dickinson or was it like just you? Is it just you?
2: I think it's because yeah, I think it was just me and I think it was because what I was yearning to do was to to simplify complexity.
1: Mm. You mm-hmm. know,
2: sometimes uh, I I'm a wordy person. <laughs> I am a, what, the, what I describe when I do trainings as a ready talker. <laughs> I'm one of those people that you ask to step back. <laughs> Not always, but hey, it, I'm, I'm very quiet, quiet in certain <laughs> situations. I'm like very quiet in certain situations, but but as in a nat- my natural state is more. Yeah, you me know? too. So um, I think that the desire to Um, be concise and to distill and reduce something, a complex something, into something small that captures it all was fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And yes, whenever I would come across um, writers who were writing in in short form, I was fascinated Mm -hmm. um, by what they were doing. Um, I've always been fascinated by how your whole world can be upturned by a few lines or how you can feel seen or vindicated Mm -hmm. or you can feel suddenly that you're connected Mm -hmm. by just a handful of words it's yeah yeah i like it yeah yeah great um okay uh would you like
0: You're listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM here in the Bay Area and beyond the Bay at KKUP.org where we stream live all the time. Uh, This is Poetry Radio. KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM is non-commercial radio staffed completely by volunteers and supported 100% by our listeners. We have provided an alternate source for music and information not readily available on other stations for over 40 years. By maintaining a separation from corporate backing, underwriting, or any other source of funding that might place demands on our programming, we're free to entertain and educate the listening community in a unique way. Every day we offer music ranging from comical to classical, reggae to barbershop, new age to oldies, and not to mention our amazing poetry radio show. If you find this station worth supporting, please become a member. You can do that online or you can give me a call here at the studio at 408 260 two nine 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 or eight three one four eight zero one nine 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 i'm going to get back to mk chavez here we go i could
1: like hear more from dear animal yes please more from dear animal and then and then we'll move into your favorite poems great <laughs> um i wanted to say that dear animal is really different than
2: mother morphosis okay um, both in subject matter but also um just tone feel mm-hmm um very different. <clears throat> we'll start here because I feel like this is illustrates how <laughs> different it is. In passing I mentioned researching the history of female genitalia for two years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: While in bed with the now dispatched lover, I say a French engineer was hired to deal with the scourge of sexually transmitted disease in Paris. The engineer's qualifications, the design of the Paris sewer system, mm-hmm. were naked in bed. He laughs and says, "Well, it sort of makes sense, don't you think?" The father of the sewer system lined up women of all backgrounds to prove his his hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Prostitutes were to blame. Mm-hmm. Poor sewer maker spent three weeks in bed so depressed after lifting hundreds of skirts, he found that a virgin vagina looks pretty much the same as a well-traveled vagina. Mm. Engineer sewer maker could not be deterred. He developed a new hypothesis. All vaginas are guilty. A vagina is a muscle much like a mouth. It has so much to say.
1: Hmm. Nice.
2: Will you read one more from that book? Sure, please. Um, you know, maybe I'll read you two short ones. Yes, yeah. that sounds. Yes. All right.
1: There's a reason poems work live in different books. I think. Oh yeah. There's really a reason for it. I mean, these they're like they're different related. lives, yeah, and, totally and like cousins, though, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um. You won't find this poem in the table of contents because it actually opens the book. Okay. And it's like an incantation, and when I started reading, so I completed this manuscript and then didn't submit it for a very long time. But once it was completed, I. I started for a while I started all of my readings um, with this incantation. Artemis Come ride my ovarian horns down with the captive clitori. Be free and speak my grisly bare lips. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, You know, and I I think, um, you know, the experience of Mother Morphosis where people were like, oh, you know, I, um, where they would say, I also had that experience, I, you know, I know about that, um, I think the counterpart in, um, in Dear Animal, um, it's women coming mm-hmm. up to me and just kind of like that. Like that's the reaction, <laughs> finger snap you know, like yeah. there's something there and the, I met these two young women at a reading
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, you know, I didn't know them and um, they came up to me at, after the reading and said can we have a picture with you? Aww. And I said sure and um, they were lovely and um, after the picture they were like yeah, we really wanted a picture with you we love your work and especially that poem, the Grizzly Bear Lips. We sign all of our messages to each other, Grizzly Bear Lips. And you know, I was just kind of like,
1: oh, I can die now. Like that's so, that's so perfect. That is amazing, Grizzly Bear Lips. Oh, thank you, world. Thank you for the,
2: you know. There should be a gift for that. It is so good, you know, I'm like, oh, uh, okay, my work here is done, all right. <laughs> okay, Wild. There are good bears and bad bears. I am one of them. She-bear, a honey and potential man-eating mammalian. I forage because times are hard. I growl at all the wrong moments. It's the occasion of my needs and the food in your hands. We've all clawed at somebody, someone. Remind me of the year I became the unknown visitor. I'm still learning, Eastern and Western time. Once I was a dancing bear. Here are my teeth. What do you think? (laughs) Nice. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, Squaw Valley uh, Writers Workshop, which okay. is also a really um, excellent um, workshop to go to. I um,
1: and the reason I thought of that is because I actually wrote that poem there. Nice. And then um, and then you'll finish with a poem written by someone else that you like. Yes. So
2: um, I had. Selected two,
1: but I can I can just give you one. You
2: can give me two. Okay, (laughs) great. So, um I selected this by um it's written by uh Tim Donnelly and Tim Donnelly is a friend. I think Tim Donnelly, um, I've gotten to know over the years. He's um a writer, local writer, and I met him at a reading series that was happening at Pegasus Books. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, he had me read a long time ago and I've since gotten to know him. Mm. And the reason I selected this poem is because I feel like some poems are just pure joy Mm. and that's how I feel about this poem. These are my dumb socks. I'm dancing with the yellow plastic danger tape floating in the parade. I'm sipping a beer in a chase lounge dangling over the side of the fourth story. I'm doing somersaults in a tidal wave, walking on the freeway. I accidentally gave these birds the power of speech. (laughs) This is a poem um, by Brandon Som, And um, all right, it's called Close Reading. One for tree, two for woods. I, Gu, wrote the characters out for me. dehiscent and reminiscent what wood made Eng Eng's hope chest that she immigrated with, cargo, from Guangzhou to Phoenix. In Spanish, Nana tells me hope and waiting are one word. In her hand, she keeps a list of dichos. For your poems, she says, Están más cerca los dientes que los parentes. She recites her mother and her mother's mother. It rhymes, she says. Dice, the verb with its sound turned down like dice to throw and dice to cut. Shift after shift. She inspected the die of integrated circuits beneath an assembly line of microscopes the connection over time getting smaller and smaller, to enter words in order to see. Cecilia Vaicuna. In the classroom, we learn iambic words that leaf on the board with diacritics about aloft aggrieved, What over years accrues within one's words? What imminent sprung with what rhythm? Agave a lie in the lion, a mayonnaise made mad by Dionysus, awoke to find her son dead by her hand. The figure is gaslit, even if anachronistic. Data in riverbanks, memory's figure is riparian. I hear La Llorona's agony echo in the succulent. What's the circuit in cerca to short or rewrite the far and the close to map. Eng Eng and Aigu to Nana's carpool. I read a sprig of evergreen, a symbol of everlasting, is sometimes packed with the new bride's trousseau. It was 13 years before Ye Ye could bring Eng Eng and Aigu over, evergreen and empire were names of corner stores where they worked, they first worked stores on corners of Nana's barrio, Chinito, Chinito, toca la Malaca she might have sung in forty-nine after hearing Don Totsi's recording. An eye where the R would be in the Spanish rattle filled with the beans or seed, as the song suggests. Change in the laundryman's tale. I have read diviners use stems as yarrow when consulting the I Ching. What happens to the wood in the maiden name? Two hyphens make a dash the long signal in the binary code. Attentive antennae, the monocot, seed to single leaf, the agave store, years for the stock. My two grandmothers, one's name keeps a pasture, the other a forest. If they spoke to one another, it was with short forced words, like the first strokes when sighing, trying to set the teeth into the grain.
1: Wow. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you for your time. And um, I really appreciate this.
2: Thank you. Love being on the show and love your work and love you. (laughs) Thanks. You are listening to KKUPQ Pertino, 91.5 FM on your radio dial. KKUP.org streaming worldwide. Hey, this is Nightbird Susie here with you for three more hours to bring in the new day uh, playing some jazz. You know, it's only a paper moon.